0: Or take off. It's going
1: to be <laughs> Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is Danilo Bartolini, aka Danilo B. I'm an acclaimed business coach, and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What is going on, CEOs? will B. here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today, I am here with Frank Cuddle. Frank is the founder and CEO of Alliance Virtual Offices. Frank is a truly experienced business leader and a renowned speaker, and his focus, like you probably guessed, is remote work, and that is the reason why I absolutely wanted him on the show. Today, we will talk about commercial real estate, the future of work workplace technology and how to be a true remote ceo so i'm super excited to get this chat going so frank how are you doing today hey we're doing just great thank you awesome awesome again frank thanks a lot for being on the show today and before we get into the questions i always ask my guests can you tell our audience what made you become an entrepreneur how did it all start for you
0: oh gosh um <laughs> I, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. My dad was sort of a serial entrepreneur owning several companies and and uh, simultaneously at one time and and then uh, starting a number of companies as well so I, I think from the time I was uh, able to read and write and think a little bit, you know it was just dinner table conversation uh, so it was a bit in the blood um, also I never when I was going to college um, which got kicked out of. Uh, but as, as I was going to college, I kind of decided that the purpose of college was one of two things. Uh, it either taught you how to work for somebody else, uh, mm-hmm. or um, you learned how to make decisions. And I opted for the second. Uh, and I think that, yes. that if you can learn how to make decisions quickly, um, gathering the data that you need to do so and, and, and being decisive in your, in your activities, then you can do anything. Uh, and I wanted to do more than just work with somebody else. That's super interesting. I actually never heard this uh, other
1: take on college. You're always here and of course already know, and this is exactly <laughs> how I think about school and college in general. Like, you know, you go there so that you can do some exams. Uh, you, someone tells you what to do. But this idea of decision-making is actually crucial. And I can see how you can actually develop that um, well, in, you know, uh, in the college. It's funny when with,
0: within, within our company we have a little speech we bring we bring somebody on board uh, to join the team, and we explain to everybody that the one thing that we will absolutely fire them for, no question about it, is if they do not make their own decisions. Wow. We don't want people to run something up and down the uh, the line, so to speak, uh, that slows everybody down. 100%. We don't want managers. We don't want so everybody from our call center receptionists on up, we ingrain within them that individual decision-making process. And it's really helped to maintain the growth of our company during hard times and accelerate the growth of our company uh, during better times. Uh, and yeah. uh, we think it, it breeds a, a, a strong sense of independence where everybody knows they're equally capable of making their decisions. And I think that brings a lot to an organization. A hundred percent, very, very, very insightful.
1: Honestly, I can see that, especially even when you're working remotely, you can't really always be on the phone and calling your boss and calling your manager. Hey, there's this little problem here that I can't solve. Like (laughs) do it yourself, man, or whoever,
0: you know? (laughs) No, that's absolutely true. And in our organization, we're a global company. Uh, We have operations in 54 countries and you time zones alone don't allow you to check with everybody. So you have to be able to make your own decisions and make your decisions based on local knowledge and information, not on what the corporate headquarters says. Uh, Because, you know, we have a a simple philosophy. It says once you cross a border, you need a partner. Because you Uh have to have local knowledge in all of your activities. You can't say, oh, this is what we do it in Newport Beach or New York or London. Well, who cares? That's not the way you do it in China. Yes. So you've always got to have local knowledge and that requires local decision making.
1: A hundred percent. Listen, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, the future of of work, how it's, you know, especially right now with COVID-19 and everything moving forward. I mean, there were a lot of, a lot of things already changing before this pandemic, but during this pandemic, I mean, a lot of people found themselves literally forced to work from home. So what do you
0: see the future of work in the next three to five years? Um, uh, uh, well, everything is changing. The future of work is today, is tomorrow, is every day that you have the future uh, occur. Yeah. Um, uh, the past is just nothing but memories. And so you can't live in the now. You always have to live in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. Even if it's only one hour ahead, it's still the future. Um, And the work is really not the future of work so much as the future of the workplace, I think, that you're talking about. Um, We all do the same work. We just will do it remotely, differently. Um, um, And I think that what we will see, what we are seeing right now, just in our own business, is uh, we're seeing uh, the Central Business District Office of the major markets, London, New York, Paris, et cetera. when we look at this downtown high-rise model, uh, uh, we're seeing that devolve quite a bit right now, and people going into secondary and tertiary markets, they're much stronger right now. Um, mm. And it's not just being in the office that's the issue, it's getting to the office. Um, you're more than happy to go to a nice clean office that's socially distant with people that you know, etc. Damn, you don't want to get on that subway. <laughs> so it's Getting to the office will be one of the big change factors and we will get to the office the way you and I are doing so right now via any variety of technologies that are available and we'll work out of the our homes, we'll work out of uh, business centers, uh, co-working centers, uh, we'll work on the road more uh, remotely <clears throat> um, and the office will become a place where teams meet uh, where people come together for important in-person decision-making processes. Overall, um, it's where things will be housed, uh, technology will be hosted from, etc. cetera. But it won't be necessarily a place that goes to just put butts in seats uh, all in a row. That that model is pretty much done, and and it's done not just because of COVID. It was it was evaporating uh, uh, through the from the re- 2008 recessionary period forward. Things were starting to change, and Mm -hmm. we deal with a lot of large corporations and government, and uh, every large company found, as the economy started to to pick up again, that they could no longer recruit talent successfully unless they had a remote working plan Mm -hmm. in, in place. So, every large company was Going to people, like you. let's say yourself. You're a great programmer. You're an amazing programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to go to the office to to code. <laughs> you don't need to do that. Uh, so uh, you don't want to do that. Why would you commute an hour to go to some place, sit at a desk when you've got just the same desk in fifty other places? You could go five minutes down the road to a great co working center or whatever. Um, so, companies are in the process of making these changes to remote working and, and flexible workplace plans already. Uh, government is. In fact, the U.S. government right now has a beta test out uh, testing for 10,000 workstations. Um, just And that's just a beta test. The, the, the full implementation is 50,000 workstations. Wow. Um, so everybody is going through this. and. The reason is not just a recruitment of talent and a preference for the way people work, but it's an economic decision. And if you're the CFO of a major company today, and you walk through the empty hallways of your corporate headquarters, a a beautiful 50 or 100,000 feet of space in New York City overlooking the park, oh, great. And you're counting up the cost of that, and you're looking around, you say, damn, it's empty. it's empty. Then kind of scratch your head and say, but the company's doing just fine. And you give out four more steps, walk into another empty room, says, we don't need this anymore. Yes. And by getting rid of um, a, a wasting asset, uh, which a lot of office space is, most of it's only used about 40 to 60% efficiently anyway. By getting rid of that wasting asset or paring it down materially, which is what will happen, you get the debt if you own that or if you bought it off your balance sheet or the leasehold debt if you're renting it off your balance sheet. So you really make it have a huge impact in your balance sheet, and that gives you the ability to borrow more capital or to raise more capital for faster growth, and that impacts positive shareholder value. So as a CFO, you really wanted all this to happen, not COVID, but you wanted this change to happen anyway, Um, and it'll have a huge impact on the way companies are run in the future.
1: For sure. And this actually brings me to a natural follow-up question, which is the commercial real estate world. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about, uh, about real estate and everybody's been talking about it. So I wanted to have your take on what's going to happen to commercial real estate once, or, once this adjustment period is over. What are these buildings going to do? They're not going to disappear. What do you think are going to be used for and what's going
0: to happen? Well, the facilities themselves won't disappear, but we see shifts in commercial real estate uh, all the time in different markets. Um, A a good example about 10 years ago uh, was London. You had a lot of office space, and you had a lot of pressure in the central part of London due to transportation and and a variety of reasons for residential space. Mm -hmm. You had a lack of residential space, and and therefore was pushing prices way through the roof, Um, and uh, too much office space. So what happened? Conversion. Converted. The space didn't go away, but it got put to a different use. It was repurposed, and we see the same thing will happen in commercial real estate, uh, led by two issues. First, a an adjustment in the way people work uh, uh, overall, more tech, less presence, uh, mm-hmm. uh, presentism, it's called. Uh, um, and if you think about it, if you were to take let's take a major market, you're from Toronto, right? You're yeah. in Toronto. Okay. Right it's, now, it's, no, I'm
1: in Europe, but I'm from Toronto, okay. yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, let's take uh, Toronto as a good example. Um, if every major corporation in Toronto that had office space rented there uh, said to all of their employees that worked in that space, um, you now pick a day of the week, any day you like, and you may work from home, period, for the re- for forever. Yeah. Will that just reduce the requirement for office space by 20%? <laughs> insane. <laughs> okay, now let's give them two days a week. Yeah, okay, so the little things like that can have massive, massive impact. So now the Toronto market is 20 to 40% vacant in office space, and this will occur in bits and pieces, naturally, not yes. never at once. What will they do with that? Well, people don't like getting on public transportation if they don't have to. Some people want to live downtown Toronto. It's got amazing infrastructure and, and a wonderful lifestyle. Um, so guess what? That office space will be converted to repurposed into residential space. 100%. Now you've solved a couple of problems. First, you've refilled the space, probably filled it at a higher value than space in a depreciating market, number one. Number two, okay. you've mitigated transportation issues, and that also helps to mitigate climate change issues. Um, and you've brought a tax base back into the city residentially that's going to buy other services in the city and strengthen restaurants, theater, et cetera, et cetera. So all of these things are occurring, and it's not just as a result of COVID or as a result of balance sheet adjustments or lifestyle changes overall. big part of it's technology. Uh, You're Crystal clear to me, and you said you're in Europe. I thought you're in Toronto. It doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> exactly. I'm in Newport <laughs> Beach in California, and, and you know, it, it just doesn't matter. Um, the other thing that's changing is uh, we're going to be shifting by 2023, starting to shift into virtual reality offices. So uh, people will be able to, um, this conversation would be holographically uh, developed. <laughs> and you'd actually be sitting in my office, or I'd be sitting in your office with you, uh, uh, as opposed to being uh, on flat screens. Uh, so there's a lot of changes that are coming along that we see that will impact the way we all work, and there'll be early adopters, and then the rest of us uh, you know, that come along. But uh, it, it's really going to transform uh, the way real estate is managed and the way we use real estate, the way we even think of it. We won't think of real estate as a place anymore it'll be an activity. In fact, we haven't used the word office for a decade. We use yeah. the word officing because it's actually okay. an activity. It's a verb. It's not a noun. Uh, and that's, that's what, uh, the way we think of it. We don't think of anyone as an occupier of space anymore. Well, again, for the last decade, we've been telling everybody that no, everyone is a traveler. No one is an occupier. Uh, yeah. And you go from place to place, but you still maintain the same work function no matter where you are. For sure.
1: So you're talking about uh, a lot of stuff. Uh, I have a couple of follow up questions. So I'm going to go with the technology one because I'm super passionate about new technologies, especially in the workplace, because that's where I spend the majority of my waking hours anyway. So Talking about technologies or talking about um, virtual reality sets, is there anything else aside from future technologies that you see are getting implemented right now as we speak and, or even in the next couple of months or years that, uh, that uh, you've been already using or that you've seen other businesses use to make this transition better?
0: Well, we see simple things. Um... Uh, right now in the United States, there's a lot of discussion about the effectiveness, the efficiency of our U.S. post office system. It's slow, it's cumbersome, it's always semi bankrupt. Uh, it, it can't move agilely uh, with any agility. There's a whole variety of reasons, and it's not just our postal system that's like that. Um, so, what we will see as a replacement of the mail carrier is we will start seeing digital mail. Uh, and that's uh, emerging very actively from the private sector. We use digital mail ourselves have a Central Mail Processing Center uh, for some of our largest clients uh, in uh, that center in the U.S. is in Las Vegas, a uh, great place for data centers. Uh, and uh, um, uh, so digital mail is one of the simple little things that we'll see, and I'll give you an excerpt, a perfect example of that. In Switzerland, there is no mail delivery. There's no mail delivery you get an image, you, you you link into an app, and you get an image of everything that has arrived for you at the post office. And you go okay. pick it up if you want it. That's right. it, it's real simple. That's it. You, you go pick it up if you want it. And so uh, if you think of the cost of delivery uh, overall, um, that, that, that saved them a lot of money. And it's it also lets people know like the instant it arrives at the post office, they have an image. Now, yeah. The mail isn't opened. It's not you don't do anything with it. Private services like ours. We actually bonded to open the mail and and display the contents of the mail and shred it and deposit checks, all sorts of things that we can do for for clients um, uh, overall that saves them a tremendous amount of time Time. and also allows more for remote work. So you're in probably Italy. (laughs) Uh, Okay, you're in Italy and you get a letter in Toronto. Well, it's a check from the government. They're rewarding you for something. Well, that right money right now—it's it's funny you say that. But it's actually happening right now. As we yeah. okay, I okay. some well, bank that's stuff. The money is sitting in an envelope, someplace in a box somewhere, and you can't access it. Yeah. where with a digital system, uh, such as a variety of systems are out there, that envelope would be scanned. You would say, "Please open and deposit," and the coding on the check itself and the deposit information that you would have on file with the digital mail company, um, just would allow that to automatically be put into your account. Little things like that. So it allows, these little things that are kind of baby steps, allow for a tremendous amount of remote work, which is what you're talking about, whether you're a mm -hmm. CEO, uh, a pensioner, or just on holiday. Um, No matter what, it makes a big
1: difference. A hundred percent. It's actually a very, like you, you just hit, and l- painting an entire picture of what's happening to me right now. My wife and I just relocated for a bit uh, before COVID to Italy because we're like, hey, we're going to be here for a bit. Then COVID happened and we've been here. We don't want to go back to Toronto because then we have to stay indoor for a full two yeah. weeks. So we're like, you know what? We might as well wait here until this is all over, but I have mail. I have things that I need to take care of. I have to you know, change my, uh, my credit cards and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to do it. This is a game changer for, as you said, remote work, but in general for, for Cognitivity in in a, at a whole new level. Um, I wanted to talk about productivity, um, right now. So how can business owners stay productive while still working from home? Because the whole concept of working from home is still a bit new. And I know that a lot of people, especially my coaching clients feel like, uh, some sort of like, they have too much freedom in a way. So what, what, what do you do and what do you recommend? Especially your staff? What's uh, what's the best way to approach it? Um,
0: um we did a survey, um, I had a, a professional company come in and survey our team, um, globally, uh, and, uh, on a variety of questions, not just remote working. This was done mm-hmm. in mid June. And It was the opinion of the team, Uh, 83% of the team, felt that they were um, materially more productive in the totally remote environment Uh, uh, from a work uh, production point of view. Uh, About uh, remaining 10% said they were marginally productive, more productive, maybe a little bit. The others thought they were not as productive. So less than ten percent of the people felt their their productivity on a personal level had dropped. Um, we immediately fired them all. By the way, uh, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, no, it was a blind survey, um, and 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 we learned quite a bit from that uh, overall. It was a very comprehensive survey, um, and I think that that's something that companies should do. Uh, you, you shouldn't guess. Uh, we have a mantra in, in our company that says, "Get the data." So get the nice. data. Data becomes information, which turns to knowledge, and knowledge allows action, so get the data. Uh, So you can't guess at what your team is going to do. You've got to really get real information on it and and take a professional approach to it uh, overall. And then if you have people that are dissatisfied or you have people that can't be focused or this or that, they'll tell you. I mean, if you listen, people will tell you things. You, You have to listen. Uh, And once you know that, then you can address the problem as it it relates to your individual company. We have less of a problem than many people because we've always been remote working. Uh, My executive team is scattered over every place from Dubai to continental Europe to London to uh, (coughs) across the United States and into Latin America. Uh, So, you know, when we have a meeting, um, mm-hmm. which we have at 10 o'clock. We have an executive team meeting. Uh, we've been dialing into meetings for decades. Uh, yes. The first video system I had was in 1982. Uh, wow. So, uh, you, know, it, you know, it was ridiculously expensive back then. But um, so you, you'll see that um, uh, people just get used to it. Uh, they, they just, they, they start to understand and get used to it. And it doesn't, um, it doesn't keep people from being as uh, close or as, as un- uh, being able to communicate uh, once you're used to the process. You don't have a problem communicating uh, via video. Uh, I don't. It, it's just part of what we do. So once you're used to that, and, and some of the productivity that comes from it, too, is you don't waste as much time. Yeah you know, we didn't talk about the baseball season, or we didn't talk about politics or we didn't talk about the kids and family. We got right to what we were going to do. Yeah um, And you miss some of that interpersonal stuff, but you do that on a separate schedule. Um, That's true. So business is business and personal is personal, and you have both, but they're on separate schedules. Yeah. which
1: actually brings me to another question about uh, about community and about uh, uh, corporate culture because i've worked uh, in uh, corporate Canada and you know those big offices that we were talking about earlier, where we got. 150 you know salespeople cold calling and and doing all sorts of like team you know huddles and whatnot and, and then i also work right now i have a team i have a team of about 10 people working remotely for me so how do you suggest business owners manage corporate culture while still being able to have everything remotely is there something that you guys do to keep you know the fire on um, so, within your staff? Yes, uh,
0: I, I think so. Um, number one, we all accept and embrace technology. So we are all technology-driven executives, number one. Um, yeah. Number two, um, just because you're using a different interface, a video interface, doesn't mean that you aren't in communications or in contact with your teams as much yeah. as, as you ever were. Um, you might not have the same hallway conversations, but we have uh, TGI Friday meetings and stuff. We'll bring 30 to 50 yes. people into a meeting, and, and uh, we send everybody a bottle of wine on Thursday night, and so on right. Friday, everybody can toast and, and have a true social get-together, and we just talk pretty much socially. Hey, what's up with you? What's happened to your family? We have That's little things like cool. that remotely, um, which can be a little artificial for some, but after a while, you'd be surprised at how everybody breaks down and just becomes natural. Um, the other thing that we do is we do bring our team together twice a year in person from around the world. Oh, um, nice. So we bring everybody together a couple of times a year, at least twice for the, uh, the executive team, sometimes three or four times. Um, we're not doing that right now uh, on the same basis, but we are planning to do it in September. Uh, we're bringing people in and if somebody has to be quarantined, well, we're going to have the meeting in Vegas, and it'll be fine. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we, we'll, we'll deal with it. And if somebody's uncomfortable flying, well, that's fine, too. So two-thirds, three-quarters of the people will be there. The others, for some reason or another, can't. They'll still be included in the same process uh, overall. So you, yeah. you, you innovate. Uh, I think innovation is the key. Yesterday's done. Yeah. Out, oh, we, we got to get back to the good old days. Man, the good old no, days are tomorrow. Things. No, that's tomorrow. That's not yesterday. Uh, so yeah. if you, you adopt that mindset, there is no going back ever on anything. When can you relive yes. yesterday? Ever. No. So to do things the way you did it yesterday is a huge error in thinking and the thought process. It also... Um, It it kind of frightens, you know, change frightens a lot of people, but if you're, you're constantly moving forward, then that's not change. And so think of it like that. It's a natural progression. It's not change. 100%.
1: Actually, it would be weird if we were doing things today as we were doing it 10 years ago, to be honest. <laughs> that would be actually the weird, that I would be freaked out if I walked in a company and just still had the same tools that I was using you know, back in 2010. Oh yeah. Listen, uh, um, say, you, uh even what, even
0: oh, the so same mindset, I mean, it, the technology changes via Moore's law, let's say. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's the mindset of people, the adaptation of people, and, and go into a little social Darwinism or business Darwinism, it's yeah. those species that are able to adapt are the ones that survive. Those species that don't adapt um, are consigned not just to history, but to extinction. Uh, yeah. And you see that with companies, you see it with governments, you see it with individual relationships. Um, What 18 year olds, when they're 50, want to have the same exact relationship they had when they were 18? Um, Yeah. Very true. Listen, uh, Frank, I want to
1: ask you more about your company and what you guys are doing. You guys are doing great work. So I wanted my listeners really to understand what your company is all about, the services that you provide. So, can you give us a bit of a bird's eye view of what
0: projects you guys work on? Sure. Um, Alliance Virtual Offices um, is a company that provides virtual officing services to its customer base globally. Um, A virtual office can be anything from a hot desk plan to a permanent address uh, utilized uh, maybe in Rome uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for someone uh, who wants to have a business presence there so their mail gets in the right spot. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, So we create addresses, we I have live reception, telephony services. We have call centers in continental Europe, in the UK and in the US for that purpose. Um, Mm -hmm. And we really support companies uh, globally that need to do business without necessarily physically being there. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's 50 different ways that virtual offices are used, but mostly it's the creation of a business identity uh, at a location that allows you to do business. And all of our facilities, we have around 1,200 facilities operating the, as, as, uh, in our structure. Um, and uh, they all have clerical, secretarial, administrative support, uh, conference rooms, meeting rooms, private offices, drop-in space, hot desk space, co-working, community structures, etc. Um, and that allows us to provide services in every major market in the world.
1: That's super, super cool. And again, uh, this episode is, uh, I mean, like the remote CEOs are listening to this episode. They're already probably having their, you know, <laughs> wheels spinning right now, trying to figure out uh, what to uh, do with you guys. Listen, um, Frank, thank you so much for being on the show today. We had an amazing chat. And again, I know my listeners will want to want uh, know more about what you guys do and about you. So where can people
0: find you guys? Um, two places I'll give you. Um, first, Alliance Virtual Offices. Dot com. It's pretty simple. Um, yeah. Anybody can reach me through that. Uh, and that's a, a core website. Um, you can open 10 offices in 10 countries in 10 minutes through that website. Wow. So it's very easy, especially if you want to explore new marketplaces um, or you have remote people that need professional, not just working out of their house. Um, yeah. uh, the other place, if you just want to learn more about our industry and how uh, remote work is working, um, you can go to allwork.com. Dot space. All, all work work space. dot space, all work, space, all work, space. And all work uh, is a publication that we, um, uh, an electronic publication that we provide as a service to the industry. Uh, overall, and we reach well, three and a half to 5 million people a month with it. So it, it's a fairly yeah. robust uh, structure and anything you want to know about remote working uh, anywhere in the world, that's where you can find it.
1: Um, hundred percent. That's amazing, Frank. This has been an amazing conversation, and I thank you, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I'm looking forward to have you back on it in the next uh, few weeks or few months. I guess
0: we'll be here. Look All forward. Right. To. Take yeah. care.
1: And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at denierob, D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B. And I will send you the direct link to the review section. And to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again. And I will talk to you again soon.